welcome back to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Yes, I am your host, Ben Standig, and I cover the Washington football team for the athletic, which means this weekend I was riveted to all the NFL playoff action, like I'm sure many of you were. That was all kinds of fun, especially that Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen showdown on Sunday night. Got to feel absolutely terrible for Bills Mafia, one of the most tortured fan bases out there. They've had some success recently, but some brutal losses. That one way, way up there to have uh, to have the go ahead score with 13 seconds left and feel like you're on your way to not just going to the AFC championship game, but hosting it and then only to give up the game tying field goal before the end of regulation and then losing it in overtime without touching the ball heartbreak for the Bills, but it was a win for the rest of us who got to watch a lot of fun and interesting football games, four really tight ones for sure. Uh, People are saying it was probably the best weekend, you know, for for football, at least in terms of the in the playoff, the divisional round, pretty hard to argue with that assessment. Uh, I think we've got a really fun episode here on the podcast. I'm going to share some notes with you guys in a few moments on the the broad quarterback search. For Washington, some notes on some quarterbacks in the NFL, in the NFL draft. Uh, JD McKissick thoughts as well. We'll get to all that in a moment, uh, and then right after that, my conversation with Steve Wino from the Associated Press. We discussed the playoff games, but also from the perspective of just how far away is Washington from competing with any of these teams. Obviously, the quarterback aspect is a huge component of this, but then you see Jimmy Garoppolo in the Niners. You know, when Ron Rivera says you can build the team and then put the quarterback in within that uh, situation, he's kind of talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, not necessarily specifically the, that human being, but that type of situation. The Niners won those games, uh, particularly this last game, based on their defense and special teams. Their offense really didn't do a ton at Green Bay, but their you know Green Bay's special teams obviously imploded, and the Niners' defense really helped shut down Aaron Rodgers. And Green Bay's offense, and that allowed Jimmy Garoppolo to do just enough to get uh, to get San Francisco the win. He did drive the ball down the field to set up the game-winning field goal. But is that type of quarterback even available for Washington this offseason? I actually will have an article up on The Athletic addressing that with a lot of thoughts, specifically on Garoppolo and Mitch Trubisky. I spoke with a bunch of NFL executives, so you can check that out on the site. And Steve and I touch on it a little bit here as well. So we'll get to all that in just a moment here on the Standard Group Only podcast, which of course you can find on iTunes or Spotify or the Athletic app or anywhere you do your podcasting. If you missed last week, two great episodes, former Washington coach Jay Gruden, we got into a whole bunch of the quarterback topics. What's the mindset of a coach when you're going to an offseason knowing you need an upgrade, but what are you going to do? Got into that with him, plus a bunch of other fun Washington stories as well. And then the Senior Bowl, one week from today, I will be in Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl. And last week, I had Executive Director of the Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy, stop by to give us the insight on some of the top quarterback prospects expected to be in Mobile, as well as other players to keep an eye on. So if you missed those, absolutely go check those out. Uh, so, in any event, uh, you can of course, uh, you know, make sure you follow me uh, over on the Athletic. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Standig as well. Uh, let's let's get into this here before we get to my conversation with Steve Wino. 
Uh, as I mentioned, uh, a couple of notes here. First off, with regards to, I won't get into it too much here since Steve and I ta- touched on it, but I do think when you watch these games, you know, you watch Jimmy Garoppolo play, and he's a guy that the second he makes a bad pass, and there are a few, <laughs> the second he makes a poor choice, Everybody is down his throat, jumps down his throat. Troy Aikman did that right on the broadcast. I saw Joe Theismann do it on Twitter. And I'm not saying they're wrong for doing it. I'm saying we are quick to we are quick to assess with Jimmy Garoppolo that we know the bad is coming, and the second it does, we want to point it out to everybody. That's absolutely reasonable and fair. But part of what I'm writing about on The Athletic is, for all the people discussing what's Washington going to do with quarterback, you got to accept the basic reality that Jimmy Garoppolo, they may be lucky, legitimately lucky, if he's available. Forget getting him. Just if he's even available. Because he may be the the, the high end of what's realistically going to be available this offseason. And that's assuming he, he even is available, right? Yes, the Niners got Trey Lance. They acquired him last year. They moved a, moved a bunch of picks to get the third pick in the draft to draft Lance. I think Lance may still be, could use some more seasoning. And if Jimmy Garoppolo, even if he doesn't make the Super Bowl, he he's he's one of four quarterbacks over the last five years to have been in multiple conference championship games. Only Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady have been in more than Garoppolo's two. That's not nothing. But when we talk about him, we all act like you know, what what you know, he's not that good. And that's the thing we're comparing it to the higher end scale, which is reasonable if you don't have a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen, although Josh Allen has never actually been to the Super Bowl. But you know what I mean? If you don't have one of these kind of young stars to give you hope or the proven vets like a Rodgers or Brady who've already gotten there, then it is hard to how do you how do you get there? You got to have the 85 Bears defense, you got to have something like the the Ravens defense under Ray Lewis. I don't even know if those things are conceivable now with the rules such as they are uh, that that favor the offenses. So you know, I guess I'm just saying you can go check out my article on The Athletic, but when it comes to Garoppolo, and by the way, not just Garoppolo, a guy like Mitch Trubisky, I think Mitch Trubisky, in, in talking to, you know, sources and executives around the league, I, I'm not saying anybody's suggesting that Mitch Trubisky is anyone's answer. I am suggesting that sources see him as a guy you should you should take a, lo- you take a longer look at. He, I think his, his record in 50 games as a starter with Chicago was 29 and 21. That's not a, you know, the wins, you know, wins are not necessarily a quarterback stat as people like to point out and that's fair. Point is though they were, even a team like the Bears that seemed to be really struggling the last few years was able to at least win some of those games with him. Now maybe they could have won more with a better quarterback, that's a whole other story. I'm just saying I think a guy like Trubisky it's again, it's not that you should be excited about him and if you're hearing this and deciding you want to drive off the road, please don't do that. <laughs> but I'm just saying that's kind of where we are this cycle with quarterbacks. For all the talk we all keep having about can Washington get Rodgers or Russell Wilson or Matt Ryan or whomever, the more likely scenario, not saying definite, the more likely right now is going into this offseason with limited options in terms of big names at quarterback, a, a lackluster free agent class, and an underwhelming draft class that nobody seems to be that excited for. And that's why if Washington wants a better quarterback than Taylor Heineke, guys like Garoppolo or Trubisky, if you want to include a Mariota, okay. If you want to include Teddy Bridgewater, maybe like those are the names we're, we're, we're talking about. Now, 
we know how much things can change. Aaron Rodgers, for all we know, by tomorrow could say, "Hey, Green Bay, it's been real. I want a new. I want to change the scenery." Um, maybe Deshaun Watson's legal matters beca- or, or get resolved in such a way that it, it, you know, teams feel comfortable to make a trade to acquire him. And you know, who knows? Maybe at that point, somebody gets involved. Uh, you, you know, I've said many times, I don't get how Washington is going to be any of these quarterbacks' favorite destination. For a variety of reasons, I think we all kind of can can appreciate, but um, we'll see. So anyway, Garoppolo, Trubisky, guys at that level, it's not exciting. I understand. I just think that's something you really absolutely need to consider. And and lastly, and maybe this is firstly, you know, for all the talk of what's Washington going to do, I've said this now many times here on this podcast. I've written this, tweeted this. All signs are pointing to a veteran. Uh, you know, Ron Rivera has said that you know. He's not ruling out any options, and that's fair. But it's year three. He's going into his third year, I should say. He's had not had a winning record yet in his first two years. I looked this up. Of all the quarter, of all the head coaches in the league right now, Rivera, who's now only been here since 2000, only 15 other head coaches have been with their team longer than Ron Rivera at this point. The coaches coaching cycle moves quick. He does have a five year contract. There's no guarantee he'll get, he'll make it through it as the coach. He may get paid all the money. There's no guarantee he actually makes it all the way through, which is definitely not the same thing as saying he's on the hot seat. I don't believe that, but I do believe he recognizes you got to kind of get going here. And with a draft class that's not that spectacular, the veteran is probably the way to go. The question is, who can you get? And Washington isn't the only team in need of, of a quarterback. Denver, Carolina, Pittsburgh, the Colts. Arguably, you could easily throw in a half dozen other names of teams who could who could make a switch at quarterback. So, uh, a lot of competition, not a lot of options. That's why don't dismiss names like Jimmy Garoppolo and Mitch Trubisky, even if that is not the type of player you dream about. When when you imagine your team getting a great quarterback, you're picturing at least like a Matthew Stafford, who played a great game for the Rams this weekend. A great pass at the end to Cooper Cup to set up the game winning field goal. That's what you're picturing, not these other guys. But, you know, in talking to league sources who have, I think, reasonable perspective on these things, they said keep an eye on these players, not definitively for Washington, but just for the level that a team like Washington may have to resort to if um, if they actually look to add a veteran this offseason. Speaking of the draft, uh, I spoke to um, a prominent uh, voice in the scouting draft world over the weekend. To I hadn't talked, hadn't spoken um, with him in in a, in a minute, and just got into the idea of you know the, the the draft. And I've spoken to other people throughout all this time as as well, but just this one in particular. And he he was telling me he just doesn't see a first round pick in the bunch, meaning from an evaluation standpoint, not necessarily in what what will happen. As we know, quarterbacks get thrown off, thrown way up in into the board, um, and so. Uh, Quarterbacks are going to go in the first round. They may even go in the top 10, but he's not seeing anybody he thinks is worthy of that. And that echoes what I've heard from others as well. And, and this is sort of the the thing that, I can, again, needs to be mentioned in regards to the Trubisky's and the Garoppolo's or any of the veteran market. You know, who are you pointing to if you're Washington and saying this is a player that we really like enough to say not only do they think they can help us long term, but help us even short term? The long-term part is always a challenge. Now, of course, some of these quarterbacks will, will 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 probably hit, whether that's Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh, Sam Howell from North Carolina, Liberty's Malik Willis, Ole Miss's Matt Corral, or some others. That's obviously the big 
the big question and the big wonder. Some will hit, some will miss. That's just the nature of how all this goes. We're talking about right now, how much excitement do you have that you're willing to sort of build your future around this player? And that's where for Rivera and Martin Mayhew and Marty Herney, a lot of the question is going to come into play. Uh, Kenny Pickett from Pitt, who will be at the Senior Bowl, he's been getting a ton of attention. Uh, our Dane Brugler mocked Kenny Pickett to Washington at pick 11, the first quarterback on the draft in Dane's latest mock draft. Uh, I, I kind of think that Sam Howell is going to get some more buzz, the North Carolina quarterback. He was um, the number one QB prospect, more or less, going into the year. Carolina lost a ton of guys to the pros, including Deami Brown, also Javante Williams, uh, running back for Denver, Michael Carter, running back for the Jets. I, I think my the wonder for Sam Howell is he regressed in certain ways, including decision-making. How much of that was the lack of talent around him or how much of that was a real regression? I think that's what Scott's really going to have to dig into with him. But I, I know some people who really like his toughness, and I think that's something that um, – you know, from a leadership perspective, could be pretty enticing for teams if you're trying to sift through, what, again, what's a relatively ordinary group of prospects. I think he could be interesting. I also think, I expect at some point in this cycle from Malik Willis to perhaps um, have a shot at being the first quarterback off the board. I think Mel Kuyper sent him as QB1 to Washington. And the reason I say that is, unlike all the other quarterbacks who played at, you know, big-time programs, Malik Willis played at Liberty. And I think that means there's a lot of wiggle room there from an evaluation standpoint. As teams and scouts get a closer look at him, the Senior Bowl will be a big deal. He'll be playing against you know top-tier uh, prospects. How does he fare in those moments? And I think if he shows enough, I think teams could talk themselves into uh, taking him perhaps as QB1. Uh, again, I'm not positive where he's at with Washington, but that is, but his, if you go back and listen to the Jim Nagy interview, when I asked him, hey, here's all the traits that Ron Rivera says he's looking for a quarterback, including, um, you know, mobility, uh, some quick twitch, things like that, who stands out? And he said Malik Willis. So I think Malik Willis is interesting. I think Matt Corral for me, like a sort of, again, I'm not saying for Washington specifically, but just in general, I kind of wonder where he's going to go. You know, there's a lot of Taylor Heineke in him, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but at the same point, there's does, it does feel like there's some limitations in his game, and I heard from one source that even, you know, those close to him on the college level don't necessarily see a guy who's a first-round pick, but he does win you games, which is sort of my Heineke comparison. So, you know, how much his competitiveness and the intangibles uh, outweigh the limitations with size, uh, you know, I think will be a variable there. It's possible all four of those guys go in the first round, but at the same time, it doesn't feel like there's a really a lot of excitement uh, for any of them. Uh, lastly here, quick note on J.D. McKissick. You know, Ron, uh, I think we get a sense that Washington would like to bring them, uh, to, to bring J.D. McKissick back. They've already re-signed Charles Leno, as we know. McKissick, Bobby McCain, uh, probably their top free agents remaining, not named Brandon Scherf. That's sort of a separate category. Um, and I think, from what I gather, Washington would like to uh, to to explore bringing those guys back, right? I mean, I think Ron Rivera has expressed some version of that publicly as well. Um, I think in the case of McKissick, a couple things stand out to me. One, I think he's going to have a real market. I think if Washington lets him get to the free agency, you know, uh, I don't know about pricing yet, but I think he's going to have suitors from what I from what I gather. And I think, you know, have, once you get anybody to free agency 
all bets are off as to what happens. And, you know, how much can Washington really afford to pay when you've got a, you know, you've got McKiss, uh, you've got McLaurin and Gibson and Logan Thomas and some other pieces there already. So there's, there's that too. I get the feeling that Washington wants to use Antonio Gibson more in the passing game. And I think that to me, I, I mean, look, when Gibson came into the league, right, he was a wide receiver initially. And I, I kind of feel like they just have been underutilizing him as a pass catcher in this time. I think part of that is you have J.D. McKissick, right? So if you're going to call a play for the running back to catch a pass, obviously you're going to go with McKissick, the more who looks like the more natural pass catcher. But I think Gibson has that variable, and he's obviously very explosive. So to me, I do wonder, is there a world in which Washington recognizes they probably should look to get another early down back option? to take some pressure off Gibson, to also help out in case Gibson, who's been banged up in his first two years, has another injury and so on. You know, and if you're going to have a lesser quarterback, the run game becomes all that more important. So having two running backs that you can, you know, rely on in that way, I think could go a long, a long way. And then furthermore, if you can use Gibson more as a pass catcher, and if Curtis Samuel is active this year and available, there's a lot of overlap. I've pointed this out before with McKissick. So I, Again, I'm not ruling McKissick out by any stretch, but part of me wonders on the calculation there if Washington really wants to get Gibson more involved, and my sense is they do, as a pass catcher, then there is a world where instead of bringing McKissick back, you add some kind of uh, runner to give to, to give uh, a one-two punch with Gibson and then have Gibson, and then if you want to use Jared Patterson as well as more of the pass catchers with Curtis Samuel filling in some gaps as well, I think that is a way to go. Um, all right. Away we go here uh, with my conversation with Steve Wino. We talked, like I said, NFL playoffs and just kind of where Washington fits in with these teams that look pretty good. How far away is Washington? Let's get to all that right now on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right. As promised, joining me here on the podcast. No, we're not talking about the Capitals, even though... That's that's the sport he covers and is the co-host of the All's Caps podcast. And no, we're not talking about horse racing, even though he would prefer to be at a track almost more than anywhere else, other than uh, perhaps a place where he can get a, 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 a nice beer. No, we are going to talk NFL playoffs and the Washington football team with our friend Stephen Wino from the Associated Press, who's kindly in, indulging me for this chat while driving uh, home. Stephen, uh, did you enjoy the playoffs as much as America seemed to? Yeah, look, I, I think Ben, it was it was maybe the best weekend of football that certainly I can remember. And I know there's a lot of recency bias, but when you consider four games all coming down to the last play, like when you when you're a, a TV executive who wants ratings, when you're a fan who wants entertainment, whether you have a rooting interest or a betting interest or whatever, you want games that every play matters. And that was it. Like that was it was it was four fun games, three walk off kicks, uh, an, an overtime walk off by the Chiefs. It was just. It was fun. It was it was one of those weekends where it just made me think: How is there anyone on earth who doesn't like sports? <laughs> it is a, the the last part is a great question. I've talked about this before. I'm not sure if on the podcast or elsewhere, but or certainly elsewhere. But um, the idea of if I never if I if, if sports was completely eliminated from my life, I had no interest in it. I was just one of those people. What would it be like? Like I don't even understand how that would be because it's such a ginormous part, not just for work, but just things I yeah. do and 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 enjoyment and. 
and and you know the the it's such a visceral thing to to experience watching i mean to 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 experience that that bills chiefs game from the bills perspective you know this is somewhat of a tortured fan base you know the you have this unbelievable game you're you're a dynamic quarterback gives you the lead with 13 seconds to go everybody at that moment thinks well this game's over at best you were making the joke you left Mahomes too much time and then you did <laughs> i can't I mean, even imagine is, yeah. how bad that was no but you know and, and that's and that's the thing is you a tortured fan base gets more torture and we did see it with the capitals and we're seeing with the washington football team now it's Eventually, the Bills are going to win, and everyone's going to be over the moon, just like the Chiefs won, just like the Buccaneers won, all of these franchises. And unfortunately for Bills people, it was an absurd chapter of, of torture. But for those of us without a real actual rooting interest in that game, that was, I mean, it was just, it was the entertainment you can't find in a movie, because a movie you watch twice and it's something different. You play that game out uh, uh, ten more times, and it ends a million different ways. It's just that's what's great about sports, and that's what's great about that game. My, my favorite stat that I found was they scored 25 points in the last minute 54. The Giants scored 26 points in their last four games. Not to pile on the Giants, but I just enjoyed that stat when I realized it. Oh, that's incredible. You know, that's, and, and it's fitting, and there wasn't there wasn't a QB sneak on, on fourth and nine at any point. So that was good. <laughs> there definitely was not. Um, and look, obviously, th- that came right after the Bucks rams game, which seemed to be headed to be the game of the weekend with the way the Bucks came back. Uh, once again, Tom Brady almost, uh, you know, does it again, but 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 Stafford and, and Cooper Cup hook up for some two big plays to get the game-winning field goal. And then we had the game before that with the 49ers special teams just, just killed Green Bay. Not a good day for Aaron Rodgers, and Green Bay imploded in other ways. Um, and then obviously the Bengals pull off the upset over the Titans, although the Titans were not really considered to be some like highfalutin one seed. Um, but obviously so much of this always does come down to the quarterback play. And we talk all the time about Washington needs a quarterback and things like that. But it's one thing to say you need a quarterback. It's another thing to say, well, how do you get one of the elite, elite guys? Because it feels to me like whoever you're in your head, your picture in Washington could get realistically a quarterback. You're still miles behind Mahomes and Allen and maybe even Burrow and some others. And that's the part of this that's like so frustrating for any fan base is like, you know, if you don't have a guy who even can give you hope to be that, like what do you what what are you doing here? Hey, no, and, and and that's what in, in a little bit of an alternate history of if, if Matthew Stafford played for Washington this year and that's Terry McLaurin and, and Matthew Stafford hooking up in a big game. I think I think you can allow yourself to think that even if even if you also realize if you're Ron Rivera and, and the front office, that you didn't want to give up necessarily assets uh, at that stage to do it. But, yeah, and, and I do think what it showed was a quarterback can cover up a lot of ills. That if you have a quarterback who can make up for things, like Matthew Stafford did in, in that Rams game, where you've got Akers putting the ball on the ground and just fumbles and mistakes and all these other things, that it, it, it masks a lot of other things with your team to where I, that's where I – I do think the value is of having a, a, a top quarterback and, and, and Joe Burrow being evidence of that. I mean, look at how many times he got sacked in that game and still able to, to put together winning drives and, and, and win that, that you can have other holes, but you can't afford to win. This is like, other than like the, the O2 Buccaneers, maybe the 2000 Ravens where they won with just dominant defenses and average quarterbacks. It, the, the way that football is right now, 
you can win with an elite quarterback and a, and a good team. You can't win with an elite team and an okay quarterback. Yeah, for for sure. And, you know, the idea of the, having that quarterback to erase mistakes, and I wrote a story mid, midway through the season about Washington's challenges to find one, that was like a constant theme in talking to a lot of different people around the league. It's like, you know, game in, game out, you know, you never know what will happen. Like you said before, you can play a game ten times and ten different outcomes will come out. But the confidence that that guy will gives you a chance to to win, to erase the mistakes, to, to pick up your pick up the slack is, it's hard to calculate how important that that is. Um, which, of course, brings us to the 49ers because they don't have one of those guys. They, they've got Jimmy Garoppolo, who has now been to the NFC Championship game two of the last three years. He's one win away from being in the Super Bowl again. These are things that should not be dismissed. And yet, anytime he throws a, a, an interception or, or a play that just looks like it could be picked, immediately you hear everybody fetching and moaning of, here we go again, Garoppolo is terrible, this is what's expected. And yet, he find, they find ways to win that may say more about Kyle Shanahan's coaching and the, and the, uh, and the roster than Garoppolo, but it does bring up the point uh, of, like, what does it take for a team like Washington to win when you don't have the star quarterback? Garoppolo could be available, maybe he's not, but, like, is that a really an actually viable way to do it? It, it seems like it's just an incredibly difficult challenge, but Garoppolo has now, two of the last three years, shown that it's conceivable. Yeah, I think it's a harder way to do it, but not impossible. And and, and we have seen evidence of, of teams winning with, with the not cream of the crop quarterback, but there it, it's harder. And, and and maybe Jimmy Garoppolo is, is the example of a guy who can overachieve in the right situations and manage the game, kind of like the Alex Smith strategy, right? I mean, this is why Bruce Allen went out and got Alex Smith, saying he's he's a guy who's going to, to manage games and he gives experience and he knows how to complete the big pass here or there. And, and I think if you want to try to piece the puzzle together, it's harder. It, it, it's certainly harder to do it that way because for the 49ers to win that game, they needed good coaching and they need a, a special team kind of domination to be able to, to beat Aaron Rodgers and, and the Packers. And you, you need to basically make it up in so many other different ways, whether that's coaching, whether that's defense, whether that's special teams, some combination of these things. And, and if you say, here's one direct path of a quarterback can win me a playoff game or can win me a division and everything else can win it. It's like a very, it becomes a very complicated math formula that if you have a great quarterback who can stay healthy, which is a very important part, then you don't need necessarily as many of those other things. And if those things also come into place, it's great. Yeah, but so this brings us to the point of like sort of how to compare where Washington is versus these other teams. Obviously, Washington didn't make the playoffs. You can't really compare them to some of these teams in particular uh, just because, you know, there's a clear difference of level, although it's worth noting, of course, the Bengals had the first pick in the 20, um, in the 2020 draft. The second pick was Chase Young, and the Bengals are in the AFC Championship game. Washington has not won more than seven games in two years under with Chase Young. Uh, of course, it also shows that the importance of the quarterback position with it without, without a doubt. Um, the, I think the other takeaway beyond the quarterbacks for me, not just this weekend, but really in these playoffs, like Tennessee lost the game, but their defense, what they sacked Burrow like nine times. They were, you know, yep. incredibly dominant. They, just, you know, they, they did enough to, you know, effectively to win, but Ryan Tannehill was just not helping them in this case. 
the Rams defensive line has looked very very strong in the two uh, the two games. You you see some special teams. You see the other components of the team that can carry the way. And one of the things we everybody hoped with Washington this year was that you know the defense that showed so much promise after the 2020 season could be one of those things. And honestly, even in that year, I don't recall them having too many moments where they looked anywhere close to the dominant level that we've seen from some of these other teams. Now, they're young or whatever, but my point is, if we're going to play the game of, like, well, if they get Jimmy Garoppolo or whomever, you know, can do they have enough other pieces the way Ron Rivera wants to say it? They got to do a bunch more. And that's where the thing is, like, you can't, you can get the Garoppolo and maybe win that way, but you've got to be much better at the other spots than Washington it is, and that's where the thing. I don't know where they have one place right now where I could say they can lean on this unit, this group, and say they can be so dominant to turn to turn a game. Well, the only the only place I would, I would play devil's advocate is that the, the offensive line, if Brandon Sheriff is back, which again is, is unlikely, but if you have the, the way the offensive line with the first teamers and not down to the fourth and fifth string guys, I, I think that was the formula of if you have guys running the ball. Antonio Gibson being healthy, you can do something where you're shortening the game a lot. But the, the question that I have for you, Ben, there is, is we're talking about teams that just played in the divisional rounds. Washington would need to win a wild card game or be the number one seed to get to that point. So to me, how many years away do you think they are from playing in the divisional rounds because of all these things? So here's what I guess I would say on, on some level. I mean, I think I think the realistic answer is probably – not super close, other than to say, you know, this year they won't have a first-place schedule if they don't have catastrophic injuries and things like that. I don't even know if they had catastrophic, it's catastrophic injuries. Just the way it felt at times, especially with the COVID situation, it felt like it did. Um, but if they don't have that, you know, why can't they be the, the Philadelphia? Why can't they be the Philadelphia team this year that beats a bunch of you know not so good teams and gets in the playoffs? And if you're in the playoffs, you have a chance. But realistically, I mean, I don't. I just don't feel they're that close, especially when you have no idea who is going to be the quarterback. Um, I, I mean, that, it's hard to really project that. But here's the other thing I was looking at today. Why not? Is that all the young stud quarterbacks, Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, if you want to include Lamar Jackson there, if you want to include your guy, your guy Trevor Lawrence in there, or a Mac Jones, what they all have in common is they all play in the AFC. In the NFC, you've got all the older guys, Rodgers, Brady, both of whom we'll see what happens with them going forward, Stafford, Russell Wilson, um, you know, Dak Prescott's like the only young guy who I would say you could sort of Say is maybe a guy that could win you a, a ring, but we'll see. You know, we'll see about that. So, You're not throwing Jalen Hurts in that, in that group. I am not. Sorry to say, Mr. Philadelphia. No, I'm not. Um, no, I know. I, that's 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 that, that, that's my question. Though, you, uh, Kyler Murray. Well, I mean, not after the showing he just had. He was so horrendous. I thought in the postseason. I can't put him in the category of like even hoping too much. At, at this point, but even still, I'm just saying my, my point to your question is the NFC field is fairly wide open over the next decade if you really look at it from that perspective, because we're eventually here, yeah, Rodgers sure. and Brady are out, and there is all the younger studs are the other side. So there is an opportunity for somebody to to make a big move, and that's why like if Deshaun Watson does become free, why he all of a sudden could legitimately tip, this, tip the balance here because he is you know a younger guy, I put aside... I'm not dismissing the legal stuff. I'm just saying if all that is, you know, if if all that is resolved in some capacity and he eventually starts playing, you know, that becomes interesting. This is not a draft 
where anybody sees any difference makers off, you know, easily going, you know, per, in the evaluation process. So I wouldn't say Washington is close, but I would just say the NFC feels fairly open in sh- yeah, and, a relatively short time. Yeah, and and and, and that's got to be and that's got to be the calculus, right? Of of Ron Rivera and and Martin Mayhew and, and Marnie Herney right now is okay. How many chips do you want to put in the middle of the table? Because if the if the window is a certain amount of years, do you want to roll the dice on two or three years of the, of Derek Carr or Jimmy Garoppolo? Uh, someone who's a replacement level good quarterback, but not go for someone who's elite versus trying to draft someone that you, you hope, who you hope you can turn into someone who's an elite quarterback down the line. Because it, this is, this is a very not bring hockey thing into this, but getting into the playoffs and everybody has a chance is a, a more of a hockey thing to me than a football thing. Because I think you don't see as many fluke championships in the NFL because so many things need to go right. And, and you need your quarterback to stay healthy and you need your quarterback to perform like Kyler Murray didn't or Ryan Tannehill didn't to be able to, to succeed in the playoffs. And I think the, the real tough balance right now for, for Washington is how, how close are you, how much are you willing to go all in for a quarterback now versus trying to say, we want to have an elite quarterback in place by 2024, 25. And that time when you know Rogers is going to be gone, you know Brady is going to be gone. Because the window is not always clear. It looks like it now. But if all of a sudden Jalen Hurts does turn into a league quarterback, Kyler Murray fixes his stuff. Like it, it, Matthew Stafford stays in L.A. and is dominant for a long period of time. It, it, it changes quickly from, oh, well, Patrick Mahomes hadn't played much in the NFL. They trade Alex Smith to, to Washington. All of a sudden the Chiefs are, are something of a, of a mini dynasty in, in the AFC, getting to the AFC title game over and over and over again. But I think that's the, the really tough balance right now is do you, uh, how far do you go all in? Because it seems, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but obviously you take the Chase Young pick over Justin Herbert and you don't go out and get a quarterback last year other than Ryan Fitzpatrick, that it seemed like the patchwork approach, more of that 49er strategy is for now, is what it seems like Ron Rivera is, is going for in the absence of, of going after an elite quarterback. Right. I mean, that's a whole other conversation about like the choices they made and does what does that signal? But yeah, at the end of the day, the, the position they're in right now is they can really only kind of talk up the idea of building around the quarterback because they don't have it's not even it's not that they don't have it. There's just not a realistic option. Again, if Rodgers becomes available, any of that stuff, we'll see. But who knows if those guys would even want to come here. Uh, but by the way, just to go back to the point of the AFC. Like, think of if you're a guy like Derek Carr and you're debating your future, like, it sounds like he may want to stay in Vegas for, you know, there's all kinds of lifestyle reasons. The organization has been there forever, all that. But if you're looking at a scenario where just in your own division, you've got to deal with Mahomes and Justin Herbert, I mean, that's not great on top of Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. You know what I mean? Like, just to get at, just to get to the AFC championship game is going to be murder versus if you go the other way. Um, you know, that could be, you know, you, you may sooner than later have more opportunities. Maybe not next year, but, but maybe sooner yeah, but, than later. But, like, but, but, if you're, but if you're a guy who is competitive, why, like, I wouldn't think like that. I wouldn't think like, oh, it's going to be easier if I go to the NFC. If I want to go through Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes, I want to just seem like he's got that kind of personality to me. You know, for sure. I mean, obviously there is a competitive aspect. I'm just saying if you're sitting down and you're weighing your options, you know, I mean, 
But look, again, it's not like the NFC is going to be chump change. If as long as Rodgers and Brady are sticking around, Stafford's hardly winding down. Um, you know, uh, the, you know, we'll see what happens when you, with guys like Trey Lance, Justin Fields. You mentioned Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray. Uh, you know, Russell Wilson could have a bounce back year, so on and so on. So I'm not saying it's not like I'm not saying the you know, the NFC is 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 down. I'm just saying like the, man, those other guys look to be really really good um, going uh, going forward. Um, all right, before uh, before I let you go and get back to your uh, to, to to your life. Um, what, what any any thoughts here going? Uh, would you like to make any predictions going forward here with with these games this weekend? With the football games coming up, I'm going to be flying to from Paris to, to Paris and Beijing this weekend. So I am trying not to pay too much attention to being upset about these games. But I think the Chiefs are going to probably smack around the Bills, the Bengals a little bit, just because I, I the Bengals feel like that team that's a year away from being the team, and, and the Chiefs have the experience of being in this spot. They just got weathered in, in a game against the Bills that, that is a, a, almost a, like a good, another good kind of reminder experience sort of game for them. Uh, and, and to me, the, the Rams are just – the Rams are the Rams. And, and I think when, when that front office went all in to get Odell Beckham, to go get Aaron Donald a few years ago to obviously go get Jalen Ramsey, this is, this is what they intended. You, you, you have a, a stud quarterback. You have weapons. You have Cooper Cup, who might be the best receiver in football right now. I think it's a Rams-Chiefs Super Bowl coming up. Um, I hear you. The, the, the Niners have beaten the Rams six times in a row. I think that's going to be a fascinating matchup for sure. I'm with you probably on the Chiefs. It's hard to say pick the Bengals, but obviously Joe Burrow, wildly impressive. Um, and, you know, the Bengals offense can obviously make plays, and we saw, you know, the, the, the Chiefs' secondary is vulnerable, especially if Tyron Matthew is unavailable. Uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll talk more about that in the days to come. Why no? I don't think anybody's going to feel too sorry for you if you miss these games, if you're flying to Paris and then Beijing, but uh, best of luck on your journey, and, uh, you know, we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see you on the old Twitter. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you on the other side. All right. Many thanks to Steve Wino for his time. And, of course, thanks to everybody here for checking out the podcast. I definitely appreciate it, as always. Uh, we've got a long way to go here. Again, the Senior Bowl next week. Uh, that that will be a huge deal. I didn't even mention the name change this time. But, obviously, the name change is thing. Oh, I forgot to mention um, our friend Citizen Cope. Uh, was on the podcast with me and Jim Nagy the other day, not with Jim Nagy, but the same episode. Uh, Citizen Cope, we talked about a bunch of topics, including the name change, and he, uh, he will be in town this Thursday at the Anthem Theater, so you can check him out there. Uh, I'm, I will be at the show, so if you go, hit me up, let me know. Um, all right, but that's it for now. Ben Standing signing off. Until next time. <laughs>